Welcome to Outside the Tank, the first podcast in the world that interviews the entrepreneurs featured on Shark Tank. We get the inside scoop on how they got there, what lessons they learned, their biggest regrets, what didn't air on TV, what has happened to them since, and so much more. Prepare to be informed, inspired, and entertained. Welcome to an all-new episode of Outside the Tank. Welcome to an all-new episode of Outside the Tank. I'm Tom. I'm the guy they call Joe. And we're here with Jeff Cranny of Lockstraps. Season 10, Episode 6, air date of November 25th, 2018. And uh, Jeff goes into Shark Tank asking 200000 for 20%, which is a million-dollar valuation. Yep. And lock straps is a way to lock down your possessions. It's made of steel and cloth. He has a design patent. He did 155,000 of sales in year one. We're rising in year two. Home Depot's interested and he's in some stores. He sold it in 22 countries and he's got it in some mom and pop uh, hardware stores as well. So the idea is that you can Lock down your possessions. It's a better mousetrap than some of the other stuff out there. How did it go on the tank? Not, not awesome. <laughs> it was a, uh, it was one of those things where I think, and they say this a lot: you have a product, not a business. Yep. And that was really the problem. There was no infrastructure there. It really was a great product. Uh, obviously, Jeff is a fantastic guy, a fun guy, a nice guy, but. It was a total, Tom, it was a total crash and burn in terms of presenting to the Sharks. There was uh, there was just nothing there. He probably went on the show too early. Yeah, you Maybe. know, it's so, it's so interesting because there's some that go on too early. There's some that go on too late. There's some that benefit from waiting until the last minute to go on so that they're more established. There's some that have no sales, but they've got a good idea and a low valuation. Um, sometimes I think the Sharks are just having a bad day because it's the 20th <laughs> pitch they've seen on the yeah. final day of filming. So you just never know what you're going to get. Um, but yeah, Jeff, a really nice guy. Uh, let's get into our interview with Jeff. And then afterwards, we'll talk about the things we learned from this great entrepreneur. All right, we're here with Mr. Lockstraps himself, Jeff Cranny. Jeff, welcome to Outside the Tank. Hey, good morning. Thanks for having me this morning. And he and he's rocking the lock straps gear, which I love. So welcome. Uh, I, I guess walk us uh, from the start. How did you come up with the idea for uh, for the product? Well, um, I've always in, been into uh, dirt biking, you know, um, motocross and uh, mountain biking, and uh, I had a pickup truck and. Uh, I would always throw my, my dirt bike in the back of my truck and then I'd want to go, you know, grab some lunch on the way home from the track or stop by the bank or the grocery store. And every time I'd, you know, go into the bank, if the line was long or whatever, I would just walk back out and be like, nah, I'm not going to leave my bike back there for that long. Or if I'd go in the grocery store and it looked busy, I'd be like, nah, I don't, you know, I'm not going to leave my stuff in the back of my truck. And, you know, even doing construction, you know, leaving stuff in the back of my truck, tools and whatnot. Um, I've always felt uncomfortable because I've had, you know, stuff stolen from me and, uh, my degree is in criminal justice. And I remembered back in college, um, them 
teaching me that 90% of theft is done with just hands. It's not done with tools. Um, you know, a guy's walking by, sees something he wants or whatever, and he just takes it and pretends like it's his. And, uh, you know, then it's, then it's, it's theft. So, um, I had locks, you know, I've, I've, I've purchased all kinds of locks in the past, but to be honest, I'm just too lazy to use them because it takes too much time. Um, you know, only time I would lock something is if I was going somewhere overnight or, you know, maybe if I was out in the desert or, you know, where I'd be sleeping. But uh, most of the time, they're just too dirty. They're too much work. Can't find the keys. Blah, 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 blah. It's just too much of a hassle. And so I figured if I could just keep the honest person honest, that's all you can do anyways. If somebody wants your stuff, they're going to get it even if you do lock it. <laughs> So you develop this product, you get it to a certain point, and then the Shark Tank experience occurs. Now, tell us about the run-up. Did you find them, or did they come after you? How did you wind up appearing on Shark Tank? It's actually kind of a funny story. I tried to get on Shark Tank for five years. It's not easy to get on Shark Tank. Um, I went to the casting calls. I filled out the... Uh, the forms. And then sometimes, you know, if I didn't get accepted or if I got rejected, I would just kind of like forget about it. Another year would go by and I'm like, ah, I got to get on Shark Tank. And then I'd get, you know, fired up again and go on their website <laughs> yeah. and see where the next casting call would be. Or and it was funny because I got calls from other friends of mine who um, were like, hey, you know, there's a casting call in Vegas. Let's go. I'm like, nah, I'm over it, dude. You know, go ahead. Have fun. And then they would get on the show and I'd be like, no way. Um, and I'd be frustrated. Like, the, how do they get on the show? So. Um, yeah, so then I just didn't give up. That's, that's the key. I mean, there's millions of people trying to get on Shark Tank and, uh, you know, so you just, just don't give up just like a business. You just don't give up. You just keep fighting. So really your appearance was, uh, a tribute to your, uh, competitiveness with your buddies. If they're on, I'm going to be on, I'm going to keep applying. <laughs> I love it. So, well, yeah, you, you know, it, it you know, uh, I think uh, the shark Lori said it best. An entrepreneur is someone who will work, you know, 100 hours a week so that they don't have to work for somebody else for 40 hours a week, you know, and it's, there's a lot of truth to that. You know, my, my cell phone's never off. Um, if someone needs something, you know, I'm, we're open 24 hours. <laughs> yeah. Well, so it was interesting. The, we'll talk about the appearance itself in a, in a moment uh, because it did not yield uh, apparently it did not yield a deal, and most of the sharks were out uh, pretty quickly. They didn't like the story uh, that you told, uh, and we'll get into that in a second if you'd like. But uh, one of the things I thought was fantastic, two things. First of all, I love your uh, uh, lock straps like a jock strap. It helps protect your junk. Uh, we all got a good laugh out of that. Uh, but also there is an impressive demonstration you utilized uh, a rod's muscle and he could not snap that lock strap that so you started off with a pretty impressive demonstration thank you for that i you know it's funny uh there's a lot of history behind the shark tank uh story and experience um i hope we have enough time to cover it all but you know at the end of the day shark tank is an entertainment show and it's designed for entertainment purposes if you get a deal with a shark, it doesn't mean that the deal goes through. Even if you do the deal on TV, um, I have five friends who have been on the show and got a deal 
and are now currently not in business with the Sharks. Um, it is for entertainment, and, and uh, you sign a contract that says ABC has the right to use any word that comes out of your mouth in any way they want to. And I didn't understand that when I signed that contract, but basically they said, you either sign the contract or you don't go on the show. So <laughs> it's not like you get a choice. You either sign the contract or you don't go on the show. So what am I going to do? So you sign the contract. And what I didn't understand about that is that they can use any word that comes out of your mouth any way they want to, <laughs> just like the contract says. And basically what they can do is clip words and set them into different places. And uh, I think it's very unfair. Um, I was unaware and uneducated on how well and how professionally uh, they can do that. People who know me, people who know Jeff Cranny um, and are friends with me and family with me know that what they saw on Shark Tank isn't Jeff Cranny. <laughs> so uh, they're like, wow, what happened to you? What, what? And it's just because they clipped words and put them in different places to make it work for their show. Um, and what I mean by that is ABC, if you get a deal with the shark, they make you look like a superhero. If you don't get a deal, they make you look like you're a moron. And uh, at the end of the day, they make you, and again, part of the contract that you sign is that you will see a shrink after your, after your deal. Um, because so many people have um, had issues with when they see themselves on the TV and it didn't go what, like what they thought it did. I was with those sharks for over an hour and they filmed the entire time and they asked me questions about my history. They asked me questions about my personal life and I didn't understand what they were doing, why that was important, but it was because they wanted to get words they could use um, in different places of the clippings. I'll give you a perfect example. Uh, they asked me, what did you do before, before you had this invention? And I said, well, Barbara, I, I uh, hope you can identify with me. I was a um, real estate investor. I bought and sold homes. I flipped homes. I renovated homes. And I got so excited about real estate that I started building my real estate empire. I had six rental properties. And my goal was to have 300 rental properties. And then 0708 came. And all of the sharks went, oh, no. And I was like, yeah, it was awful. I lost everything. I lost all my homes. I lost my wife. I lost everything. It was a horrible, horrible experience for me, 08 and 09. But Barbara, I'm sure you can understand. And then her and I talked for like three or four minutes about that experience. Then when they played the shark bank, they're like, up next, Jeff Cranny with shark, or with uh, lock straps. And I'm all, I lost everything. <laughs> and I was like, what? <laughs> it was almost kind of comical to me. Like, what was that? I never said that. But then I realized that that's where that, that thing comes in. We can use any word, any way we want to. And that's how they, that's how they did that. So that um, the, what we did see, obviously you were there um, and the editing is fairly thick. We, we get that. What we did see is you alluding to the failed Home Depot order with a partner out of China. So what actually happened there with that partnership? Okay, I have to be a little careful here, just like I was on the Shark Tank, just for uh, liability reasons. Um, so right before Shark Tank, I signed a private label deal with a shark. Not a shark on Shark Tank, but a multi-billionaire. And that billionaire basically told me, and I'm not going to 
mention any names because I can't, just like I couldn't on Shark Tank. There's lots of times when you saw me on Shark Tank where I would think before I would speak and it almost looked like I didn't know what to say. That wasn't the truth. The truth was that I have to be very careful for liability and for slander reasons, not to mention the people that I worked with because the sharks in the shark tank are currently in bed with the person that I did the deal with, if that makes any sense. Oh, okay. So, uh, yeah, understand. <laughs> so I can't say, Hey, you know, the, the people that you guys work with screwed up, you know, that, that doesn't work good. And then, and then I, and I realized it would never get played anyways, if, if I did. So, uh, I'll try to make a long story short. Um, a multi-billion dollar company saw my product. They loved it. They thought it would be great. Uh, I signed a private label deal with them. I would get a dollar per unit. They told me they would sell millions of units per year. I was very excited, signed the contract. Uh, the deal was that they would make my product, manufacture it. They would send me a production sample. I had five business days to approve or disapprove the product sample. Um, once I approved it, they would go into production in China and then they would start distributing to their quote exhibit a list. Exhibit a list was Amazon, uh, Lowe's, Home Depot, Ace, do it best, true value. Um, the list goes on and on. It was like four or five pages long all over the world. And so, I'm thinking to myself, you know, a couple million dollars a year. I'm okay. That sounds good. <laughs> you know, yeah. but what I didn't put it, what I didn't put in my contract is how many units they had to sell per year. So what happened, they sent me a production sample. I got the production sample and I thought to myself, wow, this thing is amazing. It looks exactly like my product and it works exactly like my product. It It is amazing. And then I took it to several people that, are mentors to me and they're like, oh yeah, China can copy anything. China is the king at copying. And I'm like, oh my gosh, it just looks exactly the same. It's awesome. So I sent them an email. Yes, everything looks great. I'm I'm super excited about the the production. Go for it. Let's get the, let's sell millions of these together. And I kind of washed my hands. I started a camp for kids called Wake Up Ministries and I started teaching wakeboarding. I just walked away from the business waiting for my check. My first check came in was $50,000 in like three weeks. And I was like, here it goes. Bam. <laughs> it's done. <laughs> it's like, and they told me, get ready for checks like this every month. And so I got a phone call about three weeks later after I approved the sample from a buddy of mine in Oklahoma. I live in California. The guy in Oklahoma says to me, wow, dude, you got your product in Home Depot? And I said, I did. <laughs> he goes, I'm in Home Depot right now, and I see a product, FaceTime. So I turned on my FaceTime, and he starts showing the shelf, and sure enough, there is my lock strap. I couldn't believe it. It was so exciting. I'm like, holy cow. Now, again, being green in that kind of distribution, I didn't understand that it takes way more time to get on the shelf than three weeks. <laughs> you got to manufacture the product in China. You have to ship the product from China to America to a distribution center. The distribution center then ships it to Home Depot distribution center. Home Depot distribution center then distributes it out throughout its stores. 
that takes time, not three weeks. <laughs> that takes about 90 days. Long story short, the production sample that they sent me was my exact unit. They sent me my own unit. They purchased one of my units. They sent me my unit, but went with their manufacturing of what they were making, figuring that since they've been making products for 50 years, whatever it is, that they knew how to do it and do it right, which I'm not, you know, pointing fingers or whatnot, but they forgot that there's a stainless steel metal cable inside the strap. And so the teeth that they made to, to st stop the strap were not long enough to cover the, the steel cable and the strap. And that's what made it slip. And on mine, when I made mine, I made the teeth in the center smaller and the teeth on the sides bigger. And so when I went to Home Depot and purchased my product or whatever you want to call it, brought it home and inspected it, I realized it right away because that was one of my biggest problems when I was manufacturing my own is that I couldn't get it to stop slipping. And that's why I had to spend thousands of dollars on mold tooling to get my teeth to work just right where it would slide through the strap smoothly when it was pulled and then lock the strap when it was let go. And they just took one of their molds that they already had and used that because they'd already paid for the mold tooling of it, thinking that it would work properly. And unfortunately it didn't. And that they slipped and they, they didn't work. So you so, have the design patent on this. Do you reclaim yeah. your rights, recover your rights and reach out to them right away? What happens next? Yeah, so that, well, that's exactly what I did. First of all, I reached out to them right as soon as I knew what happened. As soon as I, as soon as my mind clicked, oh my gosh, they didn't copy my teeth design. These aren't going to work. I got to try it myself. I put one on my motorcycle in the back of my truck and my motorcycle fell over and I was so upset. And so I called them immediately. You've got to pull these things off the shelf. They're going to fail. And they're like, who are you? <laughs> you know, they're like, is this the guy that was working out of a 2,500 square foot warehouse? We have hundred thousand square foot warehouses all over the U S and you're telling us how to make a tie down strap. And I said to the CEO, you need to listen to me. You're going to have, have huge lawsuits. My motorcycle fell over in the back of my truck and it's just a dirt bike. These things were designed for street bikes. They were designed for tools. They were designed for uh, up to 500 pounds working load and they don't hold five pounds. You need to get them off the shelves immediately. And he went down and tested them. The, the CEO himself went down and tested them, called me back. Jeff, I am so sorry. You are right. We are wrong. We blew it. We're going to get them off of all the shelves. And almost, almost $3 million worth of lock straps were recalled in about three weeks. They were gone off of all the shelves, 2,000 Home Depot stores, thousands of moms and pops shops. It was awful. But they promised me to get it right and do it again. <laughs> that they would make it right and they would get it back on the shelves. And right about that time is when uh, the tariffs from China started coming into play. 
So we are still uh, working together. Um, they fixed it. They got it right. It is working properly as we speak. And we are right now in the process of getting them back out onto the shelves nationwide. Okay. So the rest of the story is that the story isn't over. The lockstrap story <laughs> is still alive. Here's the thing. I know for a hundred percent fact that my product works. I know that because one, I'm educated. Number two, I'm a professional at tying stuff down. I tie stuff down almost three or four times a week. I know with a hundred percent fact that these straps will detour 90% of theft. If there is a lock on, let's, let's use a car window. For example, you're in your vehicle. If you go to the shopping mall and put your laptop and your wallet on your dashboard and leave all your windows down on your car and then go shopping at the mall for two hours, you're not very smart, <laughs> right? Usually we hide our laptops, we hide our wallets and we roll up our windows and we lock our doors and we do that to keep the honest person honest. But we all know that if we want to break a car window, it's very simple. The problem with a pickup truck or an open bed trailer is the thief can see the reward before they, before they steal. So it's, it's optimistic. They're walking into Target, for example. They look over, they see a generator in the back of a pickup truck. They go, oh my gosh, I need a generator. No one's around. No one's looking. <laughs> I need that generator. They pretend like it's theirs. They take it. They put it in their truck. They drive away. They weren't planning on stealing. <laughs> just, that the was in their nature. The temptation was just too great. It's like leaving your laptop and your wallet on your dashboard with your windows down, maybe even your car doors open. It's like, look what you got. And I have, and again, I'm not saying this is smart. It's not smart. It's, it's absolutely stupid. But what I did was put insurance on my dirt bike for more than what it's worth. And then I would park it uh, in shopping centers and I would watch it. And I'd watch people look at my dirt bike. My dirt bike's probably worth maybe $8,000. And I'd see people look at it and stare at it and, you know, walk right and then just keep walking. So then I thought, you know what? Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to leave it in the back of my truck for three months and I'm not going to ever take it out. And that's dumb. <laughs> it's really dumb. But I wanted to know that I can feel safe. And there is no such thing as safe. That's the problem. We all want security. We all want um, a guarantee that our stuff won't get stolen or that someone won't hack our computer or whatever it is. But the, the truth is it's, it's not possible. It's just not, it's not available. So all we can do is keep the honest person honest. And I don't believe in like, they say like a different qual or a different um, level of, of theft. Theft is theft. I don't care if it's my pack of gum. If you steal my pack of gum, you stole my gum. <laughs> you know what I mean? And they're like, well, the professional theft, it's like the professional theft, really? A professional thief robs banks or, you know, I, I just, if people steal, they steal. That's the way I look at it. So <clears throat> the future of Lockstrap, what is the ideal future for the product and the company? The ideal is distribution to get it 
onto the shelves where customers know about it. Uh, I'll use WD-40, for example. I know what WD-40 is. You probably know what WD-40 is, but there was a time that nobody knew what WD-40 was. I'll use zip ties. Zip ties. I know what zip ties are. I'm sure you know what zip ties are, but there was a day that no one knew what zip ties were. Duct tape, another perfect example. I know what duct tape is. I'm sure you guys know what duct tape is, but there was a day that nobody knew what duct tape is. Same thing with lock straps. I want, I see lock straps as being a household name where if a husband called his wife while the wife was shopping at Costco and said, oh, babe, can you pick me up a couple lock straps? She would know exactly what he meant without her mind going to some sexual weird place, you know? Um, uh, most, if I walked out here in this parking lot and asked 100 people what lock straps were, I would bet none or maybe 0.01% would be able to tell me what it is. They don't, it's the education of it. Um, uh, uh, you know, just like the, what I said, the reason I came up with lock straps was because it's a lock and it's a tie down strap. It does both features in one, one, one thing. So when you tie it down, it's locked up. You now it's, it's, it's a, it's a two or it's a one step process for a two step in the past. And when I first came up with it, you'll laugh. I would type lock straps into Google and it would say, did you mean jock straps? <laughs> All these dudes would show up in their jock straps. <laughs> it was awful. And um, I didn't know that there were so many different jock straps in the world. You know, there's sexual ones, there's um, dominant ones. I'm like, this is crazy. So I would type in lock straps in Google. And because it's only one letter different, they would say, did you mean jock straps? So I finally called an attorney and asked him, what, what can I do about this problem? And he said, well, over time, if you can get it into enough places and you can get enough education where people actually type in the word jock, or I'm sorry, lock straps, and then it says, did you mean jock straps? And they put no, I meant what I typed. Then it will learn that lock straps is actually one word, exactly how it's spelled, L-O-C-K-S-T-R-A-P. Well, that takes time. <laughs> it doesn't happen overnight. So I thought to myself, I have to change the name to lockdown strap, locking tie down strap, uh, theft proof strap. You know, I kept coming up with all these different names, but I didn't like any of them. I liked lock straps. And so I had myself, my family, my friends, everybody I knew, anyone who purchased a lock strap, I would ask them to go to Google and type in lock strap. And when it said, did you mean jock strap? Click no. And then it'll go to my website. And after about a year of time, it started doing that. But in that time frame, I thought to myself, lock straps are like jock straps. <laughs> they help protect your junk. <laughs> you know, if you're wearing a jock strap and you get hit by a train, it don't matter. <laughs> it's not going to do anything for you. You know, <laughs> so that's where that whole thing came from. Well, Jeff, we want lock straps to be a household word, word for you because you put so much of yourself into this product. Last question before we wrap up, any regrets for being on, appearing on Shark Tank? Or as you look back on it, do you look back on it fondly? Uh, I, I look at everything positively. I'm a positive guy. I love people. I love life. 
Um, the Sharks were all very friendly to me. Alex Rodriguez gave me a hug. <laughs> I mean, I'm a friendly person. I'm a lovable person. Um, Lori loved me. They said, Jeff, you're a good person. You've got a great heart and you've got a great product that helps eliminate theft. Go out there, get it fixed and get it back on the market and then come back. We love success stories. We love people that don't quit. We love people that fight and fight and fight. And we want you back. So when you leave today, we're going to give you the phone number of the um, producer. And when you think you're ready again, call us and come back and tell us what you've done. I walked out of there with my head so high. I was like, I couldn't wait to tell my wife and family how great the sharks were and how nice everybody was and what a great experience it was. I was on cloud 10. And again, I knew I didn't say um, the company and people that I worked with, the other sharks that, you know, messed up. Even though I made it look like I was the one who made the mistake, I took that heat because, you know, they were upset that I wouldn't tell them who uh, or how, how it didn't work properly. Um, but I jumped on Facebook and I paid <laughs> for people to, uh, watch the show. Like you got to see the shark tank. It's going to be incredible. It's going to be awesome. You've got to see it. And when I saw it, when it first aired, I literally cried. I cried because that's not what happened. What happened in that room was not displayed. What happened in that room was all positive, no negative. Yes, were they, were they frustrated that I wouldn't tell them who I did the business with? Of course. They wanted me to say who it was, but I kept telling them, I can't tell you who it is because I don't want them to not work with me anymore. But we can all work together if you do a deal with me. And that's why I was telling Lori, I think you saw, I said, Lori, if you'd be willing to come in, I'll share with you who I did the business with and we can get this thing back on track. And, and, and then they made it look like I was trying to give the business to Lori because I didn't want to do it anymore. And that was just not at all what happened. And there's a scene in there where <laughs> Kevin O'Leary goes, um, so are you telling me your product's a, a dog? And then if you look at me, I twitch a little bit and I go, yes. <laughs> and I was like, What? I would never call my product a dog. No, I would never. Why would I do that? Why would I go on national TV and tell everybody I have a piece of crap product that you should buy? <laughs> um, they made it look like I was, um, I'm going to use the word um, lazy, maybe, you know, or uh, that my heart wasn't in it anymore. I think they showed Barbara saying, well, your heart's just not in it. And again, did she say that? Yes. When I told her, I gave the, the company to that other company, right? She's like, so you didn't want to do it anymore. And I said, it's not that I didn't want to do it. I didn't have to do it. I started getting checks at 50, you know, 50 grand a month. I mean, I was in high heaven. Oh, too bad it only lasted three months, but you know, I still have that money. I didn't lose the $3 million. The company I worked with did. And so then the sharks were like, well, let me get this straight. You did a deal with a shark. And they lost $3 million and now you want to do a deal with me? <laughs> and it, it sounds bad, right? It does. It does sound horrible. Um, but 
the way they uh, showed it on Shark Tank, it made it look like I had no idea what I was doing. I had no clue how to make a product, blah, blah, blah. Um, we're in 22 countries right now. Um, we are, we're still in about 200 Home Depot stores. Um, we're in motorcycle shops across the nation. Um, and if anyone wants to order one from a, a bicycle shop or motorcycle shop, we're in the distributors that distribute those products. We've got it fixed. We've got it right. So when I hear that they're airing, the, they asked me if they could air the, pro, the, the program again. I said, you air it as much as you want. As much as you want, because at the end of the day, it's at least education that that product exists, right? What do they say? Negative advertisement is still advertisement. I don't have the type of money and I'm not willing to risk my own money to put myself in a situation where if China screws up my product, I go bankrupt. That's not fair to my family. You know what I mean? So I need a shark. I need a distri uh, distribution center. Um, and I'm hoping to get enough sales to where I can go back to Shark Tank and be that superhero that they're looking for. Um, I think I'm sure you've, if you watch it closely, like I'm sure you do, you see guys that didn't get a deal and then come back and get a deal. Um, so yeah, I would love to be one of those, one of those types of people. Well, we're, uh, we're certainly, we're certainly pulling for you. Thanks. Appreciate it. What, you know, at the end of the day, I, I'm almost 50, right? So like, retirement's not too far from me. Um, I'm working with several different companies right now on a private label deal again. Um, and that's exciting. So I've got a lot of exciting things going on. I've got the off-road community interested. I've got um, the mountain bike community interested. I've got the tools uh, interested, you know, the, the, the Home Depot's, Lowe's, those types of people. And... Uh, you know, theft isn't going anywhere. You know, it's, it's unfortunate. It's just not going to go anywhere. And I can't guarantee that your stuff won't get stolen, but I can guarantee that it'll detour 90%. And 90% is a lot. And it's easy to use. It's quick to use. And it's affordable, you know? So I think, I think at the end of the day, it's a good product. Do you sell any... Um anything directly on your website or is there anywhere else people can go or do you want them to go to one of those Home Depot stores or some of the other stores you mentioned? Yes, we have a, web, a website. Obviously it's lockstraps.com. Um, I'll be honest. It's not the cheapest place to get it because we don't want to be in competition with the, our distributors. Um, you're going to have to purchase the product at full retail plus shipping. Um, but for some people, you know, money's no issue. Um, for others, they want to get the best price. If you want to get the best price, you know, go to Google, go, go on the, um, go on Amazon, you know, that that's where you're going to find it the cheapest. We do not sell directly to Amazon. We did in the past. Um, and we may in the future, but at this point we are not doing that, um, because we want to keep our price point strong. Um, we have a good product. It's, it, uh, it's, I get it. People are like, well, I could buy four tie down straps for 20 bucks. And I say, yeah, go, you can do that. And then you'll have your stuff stolen. Well, I'll just buy a lot. <laughs> I'll say, okay, buy a lock. Now you're up at the same price as a lock strap costs and you can kill two birds with one stone. And they go, Oh, and again, it, it's that education sucks. I hate it. You know, I hate the idea of people going, I, well, for, for example, Mark Cuban, Mark Cuban said, you know, well, you're not going to bring the type of tool that's going to cut this thing. And I said, right. <laughs> and of course, I don't know if they played that and I don't remember, but 
yeah, <laughs> there's tools that will cut this thing in less than a second. I get it. I'm not dumb. Yeah, you're right. You bring a blowtorch, guess what? Blah, done. <laughs> get what you want. You bring a, a grinder or a sawzall, guess what? Goodbye. Um, look, I can saw your car in half in 30 seconds. So that point of stopping theft is never going to happen. It's, we're going to always make tools that break things. So that, that's not even an argument. Um, but this, this works. And it's uh, for the price. I always tell people it's 80 bucks for two of them. For 80 bucks to, 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 to eliminate, you know, 90% of theft from thousands of dollars. I don't know. It seems worth it to me. Well, we, we appreciate you being on here and, and walking us through so much of this. And, uh, you know, we're pulling for you. We hope that you're able to figure some of this stuff out because it's obviously a really good and, and much needed product. Well, I appreciate it. Let me tell you one more thing, too, because you asked me about my thoughts with uh, being on Shark Tank, even though it didn't go well for me. Um, a lot of great stuff came from that still to this day. And I'm just going to give you one example. One example is Kevin Harrington, the originator of Shark Tank, called me personally. Kevin Harrington. Kevin Harrington, the, the man from the as seen on TV, the main shark, the main guy, called me and said he wanted to meet me. Now, I don't believe that for a second, <laughs> right? A man that's worth $500 million wants to meet me? <laughs> no, not going to happen. But I'm not going to ever say never. So I said, Mr. Harrington, if you would like to meet, you tell me the time and the place, and I will be there. Any day, you tell me time or place, and I will be there. And sure enough, he said, let's meet for dinner. I'm going to be in Newport Beach. Can you meet me? Absolutely, I can meet you. Threw on my suit, drove down to Newport Beach. I met Caravan Harrington, his team, his son, his grandson, and we spent over an hour together eating lunch and discussing my product. If you were to try to book an appointment with Kevin Harrington, do you know how much that would cost? <laughs> If you wanted Kevin Harrington to come speak at your business seminar, you know how much that would cost? So, yes, I was sad about the way ABC de depicted me on Shark Tank, right? I wasn't happy with that because that's not me. But, what? and that's just one thing. That's just one thing. Kevin Harrington is just one. <laughs> there's, there's many others, trust me, that, that called out after that show aired and every time that show airs, which has probably been about three or four times now I get phone calls and I see spikes in my website. So to anyone else out there who is like, should I go on shark tank? Absolutely. Absolutely. Get yourself on there. It's not easy. And then once you're, uh, once you see the episode, if you're not happy with it, just realize, get back on there. Don't quit. Don't give up. That's my encouragement. Well, we'll leave it there. <clears throat> Again, we are big fans of Jeff Cranny, big fans of this product. <laughs> this is a great product. So we are rooting for you. Tom, wrap this up. 
Yeah. Thanks for, thanks for joining us. And uh, we're, we're in your corner. We hope to see you on there again someday and uh, have a lot of confidence in you. So thank you so much, Jeff. Hey guys, thanks so much for your time. I really appreciate it. I appreciate what you're doing for others out there and trying to help people move forward with their uh, ideas and inventions. That's what makes the United States so great is that you, you know, you come up with an idea and then you bring it to market. It's not easy. It's not easy. I could be here for hours telling you all the stuff I've been through over the years, but at the end of the day, it makes the world a better place. And that's what makes America so great. Amen. <laughs> Thank all you. right, guys, you guys have a great, great week. All right, Joe, we're back. Great conversation with Jeff. What do we learn? Yeah, super, super nice guy. Um, you know, he was he was universally positive. And, you know, it's not easy when you put yourself out there. You know, he has a lot of guts, a lot of heart. Uh, he's got a great product. Obviously, it's going to go someplace at some point in time with the right uh, elements and the, and the right infrastructure around it. But in the face of, you know, having flopped in front of the sharks, he maintains this great attitude, this great posture. And, you know, there's a lot to be said for that because it's not easy to put yourself out there. And it would be very, very easy for him to become, um, you know, depressed or bothered by, you know, the failed experience on national TV. But, you know, not Jeff. Jeff has a smile on his face and he's pushing forward. And I think that's an incredibly cool thing. Yeah. And, you know, Jeff had tried for years to get on Shark Tank. And so, I, you know, to me, the, the headline here isn't uh, that he didn't get a deal. It's that he got on the show. Yeah. And I think that is so cool. And, you know, it's a very small percentage of entrepreneurs that ever get the opportunity. So Right. And for those that possibly aren't uh, seasoned in this entrepreneurial game, perhaps you're in your first year or two and you've had some victories and you haven't had any crushing defeats yet, they will happen. Of course. Uh, they happen to almost everyone. And great... I think a great lesson can be taken from the positive continence and the great mindset of a Jeff Cranny, someone who, again, has a smile on his face, is undaunted, and is pressing on. So it'll happen. Yeah, that's one of the things I wrote down was uh, the, the quote he, he said, it's not easy. And it, it isn't easy. It's not easy at all. It doesn't get easier. <laughs> um, I think sometimes people think, oh, it'll get easier once we sell more widgets, right? Once we get to a certain point, once I have some help and it's not just me running the business, this stuff doesn't get easier. The problems change. Sometimes they get easier, sometimes they get harder, but it's not that it universally gets easier after something happens. Maybe it gets easier when someone hands you $20 million for your business and you're sitting on a beach in Antigua drinking a cocktail with a little umbrella in it. Maybe it's easier than and, and and the road to get there is very, very difficult. And then you have and then you have the stress of managing your money. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, you know, he talked about the uh, partner he had in China and just to be careful who you get in bed with because yeah. you know there's a lot of people and it's not just you know overseas manufacturer uh, you know there's People here in the U.S. that rip you off uh, for your marketing dollars. I yep. mean, it's all over the place. There are uh, crooks 
and frauds and lousy people in every industry. So be careful who you partner with. Um, it's so important. I mean, it's, you know, you see these, uh, there's a lot of fraudulent Shark Tank ads out there where people say, oh, my product was on Shark Tank. No, it wasn't. Um, you know, so you get people that lie. You get people that, um, you know, oversell themselves. Oh, I can market your business. No, you've never marketed a business like mine before. You don't know if you can or not, but you need to pay rent. So you believe you can. You yeah. just got to be really, really careful who you work with and partner with. And, you know, not that you need to interview 30 PR firms to find the right one, but you need to enter a few. And you need to read their reviews online and you need to try to get referrals or recommendations from people that have used a service like that. So just be very, very careful. Um, you know, I, again, I just uh, love the guy's grit and perseverance. And uh, I think there's a lot to be said for that. You know, it's it's yeah. this stuff. It's not easy. It's not for the uh, faint at heart. But you keep working, you keep pushing forward, you keep making steps in the right direction. It's how he got on Shark Tank. It's how he's going to keep going with this business. So um, great interview. Uh, really enjoyed the conversation with Jeff. And uh, again, another talented entrepreneur, whole different story, whole different experience, you know, but that's what's so interesting about these interviews, Joe, is that, you know, you have a variety of people. You have people different ages, different levels of experience with being an entrepreneur. Uh, some took a bunch of funding. Some bootstrapped. Some are very early on. Some have been at this for a long time. Some got recruited to be on Shark Tank. Other people applied 20 times. And so it's just, it's fun to hear these stories. And they all have one thing in common. And they, what is that? They prefer doing this to working for someone else. That's the one thing they have in common. It's true. It's true. It's it's a fun gig, um, and there's it's a never, lot to be said for never it. Never dull. Never a dull moment. And speaking of which, we need to get back to our business. Yes. <laughs> let's, let's go Let's go continue building Growth 10. Uh, we're always available for you, Joe at Growth10.com, Tom at Growth10.com, and go over to OutsideTheTank.com and pick up our book, Entrepreneurial Landmines. It's free. It's a gift for you. All right, we'll see you next week on an all-new episode of Outside the Tank.